When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. Welcome to Knife Talk, the podcast for anybody interested in knives, whether you're a maker, a hobbyist, collector, whatever you may be. You just like listening to three middle-aged men moaning about the world. Um, and I- <laughs> Funny feeling that today's episode could be, there could be a lot of moaning, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> How are you? Mareko and Jeff are with me as usual. Uh, Mareko Momassi of Momassi Fire Arts, Jeff Fader of Fader Knives, and I'm Craig Lockwood of Chop Knives. Mareko, how's your week been? Do you want me to die of early age? Why are you calling me middle-aged? <laughs> <laughs> I just want you to, for, for those not listening, for old, those man. listening, <laughs> for those listening, it is Friday in New York. It's 8 a.m., but where Mareko is, it's 5 a.m. So he's going to be especially spicy today, which I'm looking forward to. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> spicy or not spicy. We'll see. <laughs> um, <laughs> or very. By the dull. way, 36 is definitely Fairly. middle-aged. Is it? Yeah, well, 100%. Yeah, anything over, anything dying over. at 72. Well, All right. You know. <laughs> Be optimistic there. Come on. I mean, let's go. Yeah. Uh, so the last few days, it feels like it's only been a couple of days since we talked last, but the, they've been good. Um, busy, productive in the shop. Um, I will tell you, like, I mean, all right. So just like standard knife stuff, product productivity in the shop. But uh, over the last few days, I've been coming into the shop. And at first, I thought I was smelling pro- like a propane leak in the shop. I ran around. I have like five, uh, three different prote- propane bottles, and I'm sniffing everything. Like my nose right ooh. on all the connections, and it, yeah, ooh, three propane bottles, <laughs> and um, nothing. So, and then I can't smell it anymore. And so then I go back to work, and I'm wearing my respirator and doing my grinding or whatever the hell I'm doing, and. And then I take everything off. I can smell it again. I'm sniffing around and sniffing around. And I was like, hmm, it's really, it's had that propane funk. But uh, I couldn't figure out what the hell it was. And I was worried that maybe it was, um, the smell was coming from, we got a, in the sh- shop, we got a new heater. It's one of those big resiner heaters that hangs from the ceiling in the shop. And it, it's propane. And I was like, damn, maybe there's something wrong with the connection down there. Uh, and I forgot that uh, in my shop, we keep the rat poison in my corner of the shop. And <laughs> and uh, there's probably actually something dead. And so I gave it a couple days and every day coming in and smelling that funk. And the more and more like the, 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 pro- the more the days progressed, the more it smelled like a dead thing. I've smelled, mm. unfortunately, smelled a lot of dead things in my life, and I know what it smells like. And so uh, I call my landlord, and he's like, well, it's probably eating the poison, 
ran away and hidden somewhere and died. So yeah. there's not much to do about it, but to just sit out the stink until oh. it goes away. So Ugh. yeah, it's just, it's a terrible smell. It's so, rotten so carcass stink. somewhere. Ugh. Well, and then, we, yeah, and then when you, th- you know, I would kind of wish it was propane because just the thought of me like huffing in dead animal fucking stink. That's what they're, they're dusty, stinky deadness. Anyways, um, <laughs> uh, otherwise, oh, calendars are going good. Calendar sales have been really great. Thank you, everybody who has bought one. Um, your support is is really great. And what's been awesome, I love uh, people have been getting them and posting them up on their Instagram. And uh, I've been sharing those back out because I just, again, I really appreciate the support. Uh, this first month has been kicked off with a knife built by Steve Randall and um, David Broadwell. And they're both extremely talented makers. Um, so uh, Steve Randall forged the blade. It's a, it's like a stainless sand Maya over Damascus. And then, uh, and then Dave Broadwell did the handle work. And he does Dave Broadwell's work. I've been following for a long time. Steve Randall's a new one to me. Um, but he's obviously very talented. Um, but Dave Broadwell, I've been following for a while, especially regarding his sculpt. He does all these very interest, interesting and intricate sculpting work that he uh, does on the blades. Uh, it's it's hard to not be, I guess, for me, inspired by it and, and kind of mm-hmm. awed by it because he's doing the work, in, especially when it gets out onto the blade, like in hardened material. And so... Wow. Uh, it's really impressive stuff and anyhow if anybody's interested uh we got calendars uh still available uh you can find a link on my website or uh on my instagram bio there's a link that goes to the calendar sales page uh so i just want to again say thank you to everybody who's supported so far i really appreciate it there we go there we go well i've been in a funk all week it's just been i don't know i've just been down 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 um, so I've been working on um, the next batch of uh, chef knives. Um, so the idea is to get 30 done um, before the pump up for sale. Um, that's been going pretty slowly, but I just haven't been sleeping. And my wife, the same, the, the two of us up till sort of 4, 5 a.m., um, just not being able to get to sleep. And it, uh, it's been terrible. It's um, We should have been should have left yesterday to go on a ski trip, which we've had to cancel um, from tonight we we have a 6 p.m curfew here in france it's just everything's just getting on top of me everything's just really ugh, down 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 um so yeah so i'm hoping you know this weekend um i can you know it's my it's my birthday coming up next week so this weekend we're going to try and celebrate as much as we can um whilst sort of being in the house um under a, a very sort of strict lockdown um yeah i just need to get out of this funk i need to get out there i need to sleep more i need to uh move more and get out of this goddamn funk well happy birthday in advance thank you yeah it's not so much tuesday yeah yeah way way into middle age let's let's say that yeah so i mean you're still younger than jeff though right is your funk Oh, most people oh, are most people are oh, these, Jeff, yeah. oh the, you guys going back to that beautiful <laughs> bomb well congratulations so so craig is this is is your funk the reason why there wasn't an xyz podcast this week that's part of it well no th- th- that's part of the reason i'm in a funk as well so we recorded myself and aaron who do the uh the xyz podcast we we had a guest our first guest and my equipment crapped out 
completely crapped out. So I sort of controlled things from here. I did the recording from here. Um, but my audio just completely dropped out. So um, we were unprepared for that. So Aaron sort of cracked on with the interview. Um, um, yeah, and it, it just, I don't know, it was all my fault. It just didn't work well. It was technically all wrong. So we're having to re-record that. So there was, there was no uh, interview, sorry, no episode this week. Um, so we're going to re-record the interview. Um, but it's just one of those things that, you know, that was sort of hour and a half, two hours of my life where everything was going wrong. And I don't have two hours of my life for things to go wrong at the moment. Right. Uh, I, I don't have any time. It, I'm I'm struggling with with time to fit things in and all the rest of it. And um, yeah, and just you know, not sleeping is that's the worst thing. The not sleeping, you know, you just feel anxious and you can't get and you don't know why. There's no reason. There's nothing in your head. You think, why can't I sleep? Hmm. So yeah, I think it's just um, anxiety. A lot of it at the moment. I think yeah. there's just so much going on. Um, and I can't be the. I'm sure there's millions of people feeling the same way at the moment. But it's probably just billions. Stuff. I would say probably I get billions. billions. Yeah, and I think a lot of it is down to the fact that I'm, I've just been eating crap as well for like weeks now. For weeks since Christmas, I've just been eating crap. So we've given ourselves a deadline. So after this weekend, my wife and I, we need to get on a serious fitness kick. And my, my thinking is, the more I can move, the more I can get that blood pump in, the happier I'm going to be. Let's hope so. Sure. There you go. Yeah. The, sleeping, you, the sleeping's tough. Actually, I've been uh, trying to figure out ways not to snore. So I haven't been drinking uh, so I don't snore. And that's been helping. Mm. But the problem is I drink a lot of seltzer water. I mm. like seltzer water by the side of the bed. So in the middle of the night, when I need to sip. Seltzer water is my favorite thing. And I'm waking up to the bathroom in the middle of the night. So it's, I understand. I'm farting a lot, I assume. No, no, no. no I don't know. <laughs> I'm not farting a lot. You're, you're assuming wrong. Okay. farting a okay. lot beer farts i've heard of beer you, farts this is not beer fart i don't i've i've never experienced beer farts and i don't understand it oh really oh geez <laughs> beer farts are, like a traditional british beer which is like it, it even tastes stale you know now we get these like modern ipas that are really fresh and zingy like old traditional british beer would give you the worst beer farts <laughs> they'd be the worst things <laughs> When I was in uh, Winchester a number of years ago, I was given a traditional beer at a pub. Mm. They tasted like shit. I mean, like I mean, it was. <laughs> I, like, I do like I do like like traditional ales. I really do. But flat, they, they, yeah, they make you stink. Flat, and warm. This is sucked. Like this is what, <laughs> what are we doing? Jesus Christ! <laughs> Have you guys seen that Power Hammer Porter beer? No. no. Who's no, that from? Who who's who's made that? So my friend, uh, this guy, I've been following him recently, and his name's Shilpi, and he's the head brewer over at Logston Farmhouse Sales, and they have it's a, he called he said it is a Baltic style porter, um, and it's eight percent by volume, so it's it's a hard it's a hard hitter, uh, but they have what looks like on the label it's like a a big green like Chambersburg power hammer. And they call it the power, uh, the power hammer porter. Uh, I'll have to send you guys a, a picture, or we'll have to link one up. Oh, on just a picture. No, no, no. I can't think you'd send us a six pack for Christ's sake. <laughs> no, no. no. I'll well, I can't send you a six pack. I'm not the brewery, but mm -hmm. um, I guess if they do, uh, they do local sales as well as selling to like local beer markets around the country it's kind of mm -hmm. like i think that's all their distribution um currently is capable uh, of doing because they're just like a, a kind of a small thing 
um, and also maybe some legal legalities around selling and, and shipping alcohol and beer and stuff around the country. Yeah. It's kind of crazy here. Um, Hawahama. These beer yeah, the, companies, they're looking for any <clears throat> name they can come. They just slap words together. It looks <laughs> fucking good. I'm sure it's and, great. And he's a knife enthusiast. Actually, he's a sh- listener of the show, too. So, send us some. It. Send us some, and we'll give it a review. We'll do live um, reviews yeah, on we'll the show. Yes, that's <laughs> great. As then we have to start and like fart the whole beers time. in already. This, I yeah. give this three farts. <laughs> 6 a.m. for Morocco drinking this this seven percent porter. No, yeah. We'll have to do another afternoon recording. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so anyway, Jeff, your your week. How's it been? <sighs> it sucked. It sucked for most people. <laughs> I mean, it, the, you can't get a more annoying week. I mean, in mm. general, I mean, you want to talk about what what's going on in the world. I mean, nobody's happy. Yeah. You got a, you had a, you know, you have, you have half the country, United States mad. The other half is everyone's mad. It's just, this, it sucks. It sucks. And we're not a political podcast and, and nor you know it's and a lot of it is because we're as a society we've become unable to be divisive and we've uh we've unable to be unable to talk about things so i got to talk about it so that number one sucked and uh, there's a lot of anxiety going around about that yeah. and then um <clears throat> i you know a couple of years ago i got uh, i get once in a while i get a message and somebody will want to do an interview in regards to you know something to do with blacksmithing or knifing or something like that and Usually, you know, depending on who it is, I mean, sometimes it's just, I don't want to do this. And then, and then usually I end up doing it. And I actually had one of our listeners last year send me a message and they're doing, a, you know, either graduate thesis or college thing. And it was all about blacksmithing and wondering if I could help. And I thought, you know what, give this guy a hand. Let's give him a hand, whatever he wants. And it turned out to be great. We Skyped our zoomed and it was a really really good interview we had a great conversation i think i hope he did a good job i'm sure he did he said he was engaged interested and it made me think okay all right well somebody asked me for this i'll do it and then you know subsequently i've gotten some good things and last week i had an interview with uh food and wine and i it was a very she was the the senior editor was very engaging uh interested we made some jokes we you know hopefully something come out of it and we created a relationship and I thought terrific. Yeah. I got an email from a guy who is a, who is a, uh, what he referred to himself as a freelance journalist. And he was going to do an article about, uh, the prevalence of, uh, or as Sal Governale says, prevalence of that's insider for never mind. So, uh, of Damascus on the internet, like cheap Damascus on it, right. Etsy and, Amazon. So, so this was like a spec article. He was going to write it, then sort of try it out with different magazines. Exactly. Kind of things they exactly. Buy into it. exactly. Okay, yeah. So I thought yeah. to myself, all right, well, here's a great opportunity to, you know, try. the whole idea is, is like, what what is the direction that the writer is going to go? And I'll, my opinion is really regards to, you know, the popularity of knives and knife makers and Forge and Fire. And people are seeing Damascus. And then all of a sudden there's a demand for Damascus. And then these cheap people make the Damascus. And then they you know, you end up getting lesser, lesser expensive Damascus. That was my idea was basically like, let's just do some helping people out in regards to what's going on in the world and of knife making. This motherfucker got on right <laughs> off the bat. He didn't even introduce himself. He just started like interrogating me with these inane questions. And after two minutes, 
I realized this this could be like a prank. Like the questions were just so what kind of questions? Give us an example. Um I can't think offhand, but one I at one point I was explaining what Damascus is and high nickel steel and high carbon steel, and then you finish the knife and you can do twi- before that you can twist it and do all these different patterns and stuff, and then dip it in the acid, the acid eats the high carbon steel, high nickel steel is left alone. That's how you get that transition between the you know, contrast and color. He's just asking me these questions of like, who are the people making this cheap Damascus and what makes what's the edge retention on Damascus? And these just these questions were like, they just were strange. And then every mm-hmm. answer I gave, he would say, totally, totally. <laughs> so like whatever I said, he would say totally, totally. And to the point where I would finish a sentence and then lip sync totally, totally. <laughs> And it was just like it got to the point where he said, "So if you made a if you made Damascus with say, and this is this is a quote, if so, let's say you're making Damascus with high nickel steel and A forty five, how would you? I'm like, what's A forty five? He goes, oh, you know what I mean, you know, four forty A, four forty A. What are you talking about? Oh, you know what I mean? And it was just like it was very clear that there was no." There was no idea of where he was going with this con- with the questions. And I started yeah. to be like, I shouldn't be in this because I don't even, yeah. the questions were stupid. They made no sense. He had no direction. He had no grasp in regards to what he was doing. And then so like 15 minutes into it, I was just like, where is this? Where are you planning on sending this thing? Because it's like, I'm, I'm listening to the things that I'm saying. I'm listening to the questions. And he clearly has no grasp on what he's talking about. And oh, I was right. just like, where are you planning on going with this? And he's like, well, I'm thinking about, you know, pitching it to Eater magazine. And then I was going to pitch it to this other magazine, but nobody likes, and he mentioned the giant magazine. He's just like, yeah, but nobody likes, nobody likes them. And I was like, I got off the fucking phone. I was just like, this was a huge mistake. A huge mistake. Time. Hmm. I mean, no, oh, but yeah. I mean, it's like all of a sudden my name is going to be attached to some flea bag, you know, real flea bag. I mean, this was a fucking flea bag. And I was just like, good, I'm not going to do this shit again. You got to like, I mean, it was terrible. <laughs> but the, the the funny thing is, is it was in, it was within the confines of what's going on in the world right now in terms of like, I thought about doing it because, you know, I sent, uh, you know, after the, you know, the goings on of, you know, the insurrection in the Capitol, Arnold Schwarzenegger, former governor of California, Terminator, <laughs> He did this incredible speech. It was it was a little long. I'm not gonna. I mean, seven minutes to me. You're pushing your luck in regards to these video clips, but the sentiment was amazing. And he's, you know, talking about being an, an immigrant, and he's talking about what it was like growing up in in Germany, and the you know what it was like with his family and his dad to beat his my wife and the kids up, and all that was all the you know all these old Germans blah blah blah. And he's talking about how great it is to be American. And it was very enlightening. And, I'm th- and throughout the whole thing, I'm like, what the fuck is he holding? Like, he's wa- I'm like, what is in his hand? I mean, it kind of looked like a dildo at one point. I mean, I was just like, I didn't know what he had in his hand. Like, it didn't make a lot of sense. This is the Conan sword. And then this is the Conan sword. And here's how they make it. They And all of a sudden, it was like... Jesus H Christ on a popsicle stick. This is some fucked up shit. He just starts. What does he say? Oh, you hit it and you put it in the fire and then you put in it in the, the water. Heat, out of the heat, in the heat, out of the heat, <laughs> into the water, back into the water, then hit it again and then hit it, hit it with the hammer and then back in the water. It's like, 
what the f- ever-loving fuck are you doing? <laughs> it gets harder and harder. Every- <laughs> yeah. And then you must temper it. You must temper it with the hammer. It's like, motherfucker, this is like... <laughs> so I sent it to Craig, and Craig immediately, God bless you for ripping it fast and getting it up there, because some knife, you know, all, all these flea bag knife guys, gotta, someone got to get it up first, and we'll be the first flea bags. <laughs> but it was, I mean... <laughs> It was the only people who were, and, and no one was, you know, even on Twitter was like, this is so inspiring and he's so right. And I'm just like, you gotta break every sword you have. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, you can't make it up. I labeled it on Instagram as even heat's new ad because that's a perfect ad for getting yourself an even heat. God knows what this guy was doing to his sword. But uh, yeah, at, we, we mentioned in the past, um, even heat, we might be able to get you some discount. Well, we've managed to do it. We managed to do it. So Soul Ceramics are back on board. Um, they are a even heat uh, distributor in, in the States. Um, and we can get you $75 off an even heat oven. I know there's plenty of you out there who've been waiting for this. So yeah, make sure you're using the, the discount code to get $75 off. At Soul Ceramics, but we've set up a special URL. So if you go to knifetalk.net forward slash heat, it'll take you straight to the catalog there at Soul Ceramics with all their brilliant even heats, um, and it'll automatically um, give you that discount of $75 off as well. Um, so yeah, knifetalk.net forward slash heat. Um, I'll also put this URL in the uh, show notes as well, so you can click directly from there, and it'll automatically um, apply $75 off. Which is which isn't a bad deal, and they've got them all. They've got the you know the one twenty versions, which is the, the KH. Um, they've got the KO models and the LB models, which I know are really popular with knife makers because uh, they don't have those uh, you know the heating elements at the back, so you don't burn your tip and so on. So so we've got it. Even heat, they're the best. They're the best uh, ovens in the business, and we've managed to get you a good discount too with Soul Ceramics. I don't. I think it's free shipping too, isn't it? Free shipping, exactly. Free shipping too, which which is in the United bloody States. good because these things, in the yeah, in the, in the United States, um, because you know these these are you know chunky bits of equipment. Um, yeah, make sure you head over knifetalk.net forward slash heat. Um, if for any reason that URL isn't working because it does take a few days for technically for the the internet to catch up with the DNS, um, I will also put the uh, the link in the show notes for this episode too. Is there like if you just went to Soul Ceramics? Can you just put in a promo code, or do you have to use the URL? You you need to use the link. Yeah, right. you need to use so, this referral link. Yes, yeah. And don't it, DM it. us, guys. Don't DM us and say, "What's the promo code for Soul Ceramics?" Yeah, listen to this part. Yes. So it's either knifetalk.net forward slash heat, or head on over to makery.network and look in the show notes for for any of the uh, this episode or future episodes. There you go. There we go. Um, we've also got another bit of news. Um, so a friend of the show, Alex Paul, oh, um, yeah. who recently wrote, um, well, wrote, um, and it got these amazing pictures, everything. This whole book was was just amazing, called Forge. Um, and it was all about, you know, food and the implements we use to make food. Well, he's doing another book, um, and he's asked for blacksmiths or, or even just makers um, to reach out with their logos and touch marks, uh, which he wants sketched, so a black outline sketch. Um, and what he's going to do with all these, you can get all of these maker marks and put them in his new book. So I can imagine this this great big image with like all the makers. It could be really cool. Um, so he's asking people to email the copy, and and you'll you'll get into the book. So um, inch one inch by one inch, um, and email them to alex at alexpoleironwork.com. and hopefully you'll get into his new book too. The the deadline is February first. Yes, yeah, It'll February first. Be- don't be sending cool. it in February 2nd. You're out. 
<laughs> you ain't gonna make it to the paperback cool. either. You know. Shall we do some questions? Hey man, can I ask you a question? All right, ladies and germs. This is the part where we ask you to send us your questions so we can talk about and try to answer. Uh you go to well, Craig, where would you go if you wanted to send your questions? Contact us via DM at Knife Talk on Instagram. It's that easy. Certainly is, ladies and gentlemen. So the first one comes from Ricardo Cardozo. So this is my question. I'm making some Kydex sheaths for my neck knives. And when putting the eyelets in, they usually crack when I tighten them. And also after some time of use, they tend to lose their black color. What do you think is causing this? P.S. Talking from Portugal, the country of the best sandpaper in the world, Rhinowet from Indasi, USA. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Um, I'm going to leave this to you guys because I'm not happy with my Kydex sheets and I need to sort of level up with these. So I'm interested to see what uh, you think. Well, and I don't make Kydex sheets. So this is all you, Jeff. Okay. Here's what, here's, here's, here's what it is. Number one, a lot of, the reason why it's not black anymore is because they're made out of, usually they're made out of brass. The good ones are made out of brass. So they put paint on them. So if you put, you know, a lot of times the brass will, the paint will come off the brass. The other thing is there's sometimes you can get um, some, so the way an eyelet works is basically you have, you know, you put it in the hole of the kydex, you put on the bottom what they call the anvil of the, you know, whatever the, the fucking thing that turns them over. <laughs> arbor press. The arbor press, right, right. You got a, you got a, you got a positive and a negative, and you, you put the the eyelet down, and then you you bring down the the hammer, and then it kind of curls everything over. Now, if the thickness of your if the thickness of your kydex is too thin, it it puts too much stress on the top of the eyelet to roll over. So it only you really want to kind of measure how much. Uh, room you have in the kydex so if it's too thin and you roll it down it's going to keep rolling and what happens is splits so you want to like try to figure out your the size of your kydex and the thickness because it won't go all the way down it just you know this brass isn't you know isn't plastic it isn't rubber the other mm -hmm. thing is is you can get bad batches of uh eyelets i've actually had uh, eyelets where they split and it could be based on the the batch you got so you really want to and and it has nothing to do with the thickness of the uh has nothing to do with the thickness of the kydex it's just yeah you got a bad shit you know i've so. had them so it's it's the side that that is hitting the die so not the not the, not the sort of striking side it's the bottom side hitting the die right and that tends to split yeah and one of the reasons why is if you're if you're kind of jamming it down too fast like you want you know if you're using an arbor press or using a drill press you want a nice, easy, even pressure. You don't want to have to, you don't want to like, and don't do the hammer bullshit. Don't go, don't get a hammer and try to knock it down with a hammer. That's some bullshit. That's a, that's like trouble in River City. Nice and easy. Of... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Nice and easy, easy peasy squeezy. Um, do you think part of the reason that they're cracking or splitting is because of work hardening? Maybe. I mean, it's like, you know, you don't know how these are made. I mean, if you're going too quickly, if you're going too quickly with the Arbor Press, you know, and if it's, I mean, they're thin, they're super thin. So it could mm -hmm. be like, yeah, you, it could be just the, the, the brass is 
shitty, you know, it's like, or it's, you're asking too much of the brass. Like if you're, if your kydex is too thin, you know, you're doing too thin and then you got a pot, you got a long ass, too much to roll back. Pilot. Yeah. yeah. Too much to roll back. But yeah. then some of them, some of them crack because maybe you're going too fast. So eyelet talk on knife talk. <laughs> all right Marekko, do you want to take the next one yeah this next one is from marshall comeback he says hey guys so i just finished gluing up a knife with someone's dead mother's ashes mixed in with the epoxy in the handle and i was wondering if any of you have had or have any good stories about orders you just plain you were just plain uncomfortable with I thought that this was, I had made a joke on the first episode of the Full Blast podcast where I said, I'll be, you know, I'll be happy to mix a piece of grandma into my, into the epoxy. And I just thought he was listening. He was not a listener of the podcast. I had just made that up and I guess that had happened to him. So (laughs) I've, I've had, I've had, um, way years ago when I I was really just started doing sort of customer orders, um, somebody's dog hair they wanted, um, in a, in a spacer. So that was mixed with epoxy, and I did do it. And the stink—it was almost like, um, like bone or antler when oh, you yeah. when you sanded that back. It was disgusting. But um, yeah. yeah, dog hair I did once, but that was yeah. Nothing. I I I haven't been asked to do anything I'm uncomfortable with. Um, I mean that was a strange one, and probably the strangest I've had. But um, no, nothing I'm uncomfortable with. Maybe some weird blade shapes. Maybe so I don't think that'll work. Um, but nothing what I felt. Ooh, that's a bit icky. Yeah, I've been asked if uh, some of these ashes could be incorporated into the steel. Like, um, especially when I was working at Dragon's Breath Forge and I was working with Peter Swarsbert, who makes uh, crucible steels. I asked him if there's any way to incorporate it. And he's like, you know, you could put it in with the other material that's going to be melted down, but it won't be taken up um, with the steel because at that point, it's just, it's, I don't know, the the carbon and whatever might have been in there that could have potentially been useful for the steel mm. uh, or incorporate, actually incorporated in the steel has already been burned away. You would actually need some physical, like, which sounds horrible, but like bone fragment or something like that from your oh, dead God. relative. So he's like, the best chance is exactly what this guy did, uh, what Marshall did, is, is to mix it in with some epoxy um if you ever get that inquiry otherwise you press them into a diamond and then put it in inset that as a gem at the bottom of the handle or something i don't know but uh yeah shove them in the epoxy yeah just shove them them in i mean it's the most it's obviously the most sentimental place or (laughs) oh here's one here's one for you so do a homone and add the ashes to the clay that helps that goes on to the blade to help create the homone and then you know, that's when the spirit of the knife is imbued into the yes. blade, right? Yes. Right. I think you should just pack a Corby bolt like a bowl and fucking shove them in. I mean, have them <laughs> intact, in, you know, like almost like a mini uh, entombed within the knife. Yeah. And what is it? What are those things called? Uh, a uh, when you put put someone in the put some in the ashes and you shove them on a you know on the fireplace top, put them in a what are, what are those things called? An urn? Um, yeah. yeah, it's a yeah. fucking Corby urn. It's perfect. <laughs> the Corby urn. <laughs> perfect. And, and it's you know he's packed it in there for for good. It's great. Oh, Jesus Christ. Mister Fox twenty twenty says I have a knife I've been working on and I'm making it out of weldable steel from a hardware store. 
However, I don't know what steel I have specifically and how to treat it properly. Do you have any suggestions? Yeah. Yikes. Forget buy it. it. From a, yeah, buy it from a <laughs> reputable source. Hardware but, steel. Where you know what it is, right? Hardware steel. Yeah. And it doesn't need to be expensive. I mean, you, you can buy, you know, little bits of steel um, from, you know, proper steel suppliers um, where you'll know exactly the sort of ingredients and how to heat treat it. Doesn't need to be expensive at all. Um, and you even see it on places like eBay and stuff like that. Yeah, it, it doesn't need to be expensive. So I wouldn't really waste time using something that you don't know what it is. Right. Um, simply because it's, it's, it's just a false economy because all the time you're going to have spent trying to harden this thing, you're better off just buying something that you know how to harden properly. And P.S., don't buy steel at a hardware store because they're charging you a zillion times more. It's probably more expensive to buy a piece of bullshit steel from a hardware store than it is to get some good shit, mm. you know? Yeah. Yeah, I, I know that doesn't answer your question. As you said, you've already it started, but th- I'm afraid there's, there's <laughs> it's nothing you can do that if you've started. Of course, it doesn't start. It doesn't help at all. This is not an. Sometimes these answers will not be helpful. Go back. Well, Jeff, you did start it out with get rid of it. So I, mean, I get rid of it. That's kind of helpful. Make it a template. Turn it into a template. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. And I'd say, I mean, some people say they will just get any sort of scraps of steel to, to practice grinding and things like that. And even then, I'd say it's not going to grind the same as the material that you, you'd want to be using anyway. You know, you see people grinding with mild steel and so on just for practice. It grinds differently. So, yeah, I'm, I'm afraid. Throw it out and start again, I'm afraid. I'm extra salty right now because I'm getting texts. <sighs> we've been agree- We've agreed to do these kind of charity... Uh knives every so often and i had forgotten mm. about it so this one charity that we we have been dealing with for quite a while laid everybody off and still did the auction so i'm now going to be making a charity knife for a company that laid everybody off for some oh. for some fucking guy so i'm i'm there i'm dealing right now with text in regards to when can i speak to this guy so i'm going to be extra salty Extra salt. Yep, yep, yep. Okay, you take the next one. It'll take your mind off it. Go okay, on, this one comes from Olaf Johnson. I recently got a 12-inch disc sander older than I am for $100. I see that high... Not older than you are. Older than he is. Older than he is. I was going to say, wow, that would have been... Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some value to that. Oh, well, is that right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I see uh, I see a high-quality abrasive discs with zirconium or ceramic are about $10 each. Do you leave one disc on till it's dead and live with it? Uh, live with a single grit, or do you have do you, uh, method to reuse the self adhesive discs, or to use a Velcro system? Looking forward to going full blast with my new toy. Nice job, Olaf. <laughs> nice job, Olaf. Um, I, I mean, we talked about this in the past. I think, I mean, I don't use it, but I know um, you guys use that. Uh, who, who makes the cream? Is it 3M cream? That you use into uh feathering disc, yeah. Feathering Feather, yes, cream. That's the they stuff, don't call yeah. it cream. Well, it's a, <laughs> it's a, it is a cream, isn't it? Well, if you're putting cream I, all over your disc, you gotta be careful how careful how you say that. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Dicey. That's some dicey wording. Yeah. <laughs> the, you know, the, the, from my experience, the only time I've ever really had good experience using those self-adhesive thicker discs that are very similar to like your thick belts is for, at a metal shop where you're not really like you know a lot of times you know with the disc grinder 
at a metal shop. You're using it to, you know, you're fixing your channel to get it ready for to weld, you know, these minor things. But when you're using it, when you're using it on the face of a knife, there's so yeah. much more surface area of the steel that's in contact with the belt or with the disc. What happens is you end up using it faster, especially if it's knife steel. I would not, I've gotten those self-adhesive ones and I find that they're very expensive and that there's not enough. I don't think the juice is worth the squeeze with those guys. I, I, yeah. I end up, I end up, you know, using them and then they get very dull quickly and I just get irritated. So I'm a fan of getting in DOS USA Rhino wet, get yourself some, uh, feathering adhesive cream <laughs> and, and then using that because you know, you'll end up getting uh, more juice from the squeeze. Yeah. And you can get um, Rhino Wet from Indasa um, from Texas Fire Supply. Um, and I think it's if you use Knife Talk 10, you'll get 10% off as well off the order. And that's everything that they do there at Texas Fire Supply, not just um, the Rhino Wet. They've got a whole bunch of things there for knife makers. So go take a look, TexasFireSupply.com and use Knife Talk 10. And you'll be able to get your your um, your sandpaper to make your own discs much, much cheaper. And that's the way Jeff does it. He uses a whole sheet and cuts it around the, uh, the disc sort of platen. Right. That's the way to do it. And then you can use little scraps for your hand sanding. Hand sanding. There we go. Yeah. All right. Yeah. This next one is from Mark Burchette. Uh, he says, when using wood scales, do you like to book match the grain so the handle looks the same on both sides? Or do you like to keep the grain lined up so it flows through the handle? Hmm. So he's, he's talking for... Um... I can't think at the moment. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm the one that's up super early. I'm not. The one, I'm the one that's not supposed to be thinking. What's Do you just eat lunch? Is lunch? He's talking. He's talking full tang. Where he's yeah. talking full tang. Where there's going to be a gap in the scales. Obviously, where the steel runs through. I assume. Right. Um, I do very little wooden handles at the moment. Um, I I couldn't tell you the last time I did a wooden handle. I thought you bought um, like a whole fucking orchard. We have, but it needs to it needs to dry out. Oh, okay. It's yeah. There's going to be a time when I'm going to be doing all wood handles. Believe me. Handle um, but at the moment, um, I don't. I'm using G10 for virtually everything. Mm -hmm. um, but um, yeah, I mean, it depends on on the wood. So I mean, some of the some of the wood, I had loads of spotted birch here that was lovely at one point, um, and that looked really nice. Um, book marching, book uh, book matching the grain. So when you looked from the top, you could see the tang, and you'd have almost like these chevrons. Um, coming coming out coming out of the each side and that looked really nice if you could match them really well uh, but aside from that I normally I just look at look at it and just take the best part of each and they don't necessarily have to match but if there's something interesting on one that, that, mm. that, that suits me I get you for me I like to I like the grain to flow from one end through the tang and pick up where it left off on the other side um, but I think it really comes down to how much sculpting work you're doing or putting into the handle um, because if you do sculpt heavily um, if you try to you know you split the block in half and you open up you got your book match and they basically look like reflections of each other a lot of people like to put those on the outside I think that only really works though if you're not removing a lot of material um, because you basically are uh, retaining that look that kind of mirrored effect. But if you're doing a lot of sculpting, then you lose that mirrored effect and it 
kind of looks like you fucked up and put the scales on there. I I feel like to me, because I I I look at the like w- the grain is I see the handles like a sorry Jeff like a painty uh, a pat this a tiny little palette that this beautiful grain wood gets to be like the kind of like display uh, displayed on, and so um, hey, sorry. Sounds perfectly normal. Sounds okay. perfectly 100% well, normal. Well, talking about art stuff, I'm not an art major like you. I'm not cool like you. I mean, just that's, some that's, dummy that's, who that's, smashes on metal. That's your, I mean, that's your low self-esteem, <laughs> not me. I didn't say that. And so, um, but it just, to me, it, it when I'm looking at the handle, I want to see it kind of continuous all the way around, whether there's a full tang or not, um, like kind of interrupting uh, that handle grain flow. And if, again, it, I, I think it's more than acceptable to do it. If you're not doing, you know, if you're just kind of breaking the corners and not doing too much handle shaping, but if you're getting into it and you're, you are doing a lot of handle shaping, that grain is not going to look right. And it's going to look like you fucked up. I feel, I, I, in my opinion, I feel like it looks like somebody made a mistake and they just went with it. Yeah. Yeah. Jeff, do you use much wood at the moment, Jeff? I've seen you do. Actually, this week you did some amazing stuff with G10. You talked right. about last week using the you know the scraps and bits of left over to make those like chevrons and stuff. That looked really cool. Well, thank you. Well, it was fun. Yeah. I don't. I fun. mean, be honest with you. I mean, you know, book book match is great, and if you decide you just like it a different way, and I'm with you. I don't really have a. I don't get too horned up about it all. To be honest with you. Yeah. I mean, I I think that's you know. the thing. There's there's no well with everything. There's no right or wrong way. But I think particularly with this, it's very sort of subjective because it depends on the piece of wood that you have and you know how it may look and so on. And then you split the wood, and then you have to sand the wood, and all of a sudden it doesn't book match. And then when you add the when you put the whatever your eighth inch piece of metal in between, does that mean you got to like bump the whole thing up a hair? Or like all of a sudden, it's I don't get too. Yeah. I'm with you. Keith as as, uh, as 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 Brian House says, I'm with you. <laughs> He's an old fart as well. <laughs> Jesus, his back is out and all sorts. Good old Keith, Brian House. House works. Keith, good podcast. Yeah, <laughs> I can work say his name it, again now. You ready? Keith Colby um, says, "I just finished a Damascus knife and had to fix a mistake on the handle. While doing this, I sanded some of the etch off the spine of the handle." What is the best way to re-etch the spine without messing up uh, the rest of the blade? Mareko, you must be sick of this one. How many times have you answered this one? Where Where is this question at? I I only caught half of it. <laughs> you, oh, I sorry. I don't see it on, in the list. Can you... Sorry. I'll repeat it. Um, yeah. Keith Colby asks, I just finished a Damas- Damascus knife and had to fix a mistake on the handle. While doing this, I sanded up some of the etch off the spine in the handle. Um, and what was the best way to re-etch the spine without messing up the rest of the blade? Oh, boy. Yeah, that's a tough one. Um, I mean, the best thing you can try to do is mask off the handle material with something. I would use nail polish. Um, and you can, if you, you know, if you struggle to do it by hand, you can use masking tape uh, to act as kind of like a guide to paint up to and then peel the tape off, of course. Um Ideally, though, I I would hope that, uh, God, if I was I was doing a full tang knife with with handle scales, um, I would only keep them temporarily um, 
attached. So if I'm using Corby's, I would actually have, I actually have like a set of Corby's, two pairs of Cor Corby's that um, are kind of, the, I, I, I cut little shallow heads on the, or cut the heads off until they're only maybe a, like a 16th of an inch and then recut um, the flats for using the screwdriver so that I could screw them down and take them back off without, um, without any problems basically. And so um, if you temporarily attach, you can do all the sculpting. You can more ideally work everything out, get everything in place where you want it to be uh, handle wise and everything. And then, and etch the blade separate from the handle material, then put it back together. And when you do glue up, if you do a good job wiping off all the glue seams and everything, ideally all you're doing after that is cleaning up, you know, trimming off the excess off your Corby's and then, uh, and then cleaning up the Corby's, which keeps you ideally as far away from the tang on either side as possible. Um, mm. But in this situation, you've already got it glued up. I think the best, you got two options, basically. You either try to mask off the handle material. Um, if it's dark material, um, like, uh, uh, yeah, any kind of dark material, basically ebony or, or bog oak or walnut, whatever, um, you have a little bit of room to fudge. If you have liners, like a G10 liner, and then handle scales, you even have more kind of a, of a, of a safety net. Um, but if you got light wood, like a holly or something blonde, like a maple, you're going to be a hard, like in a tough spot. And I think at that point, for me, I'd have to say, fuck, um, unless the customer really wants that spine etched, um, you might have to just polish it all up and make it uniform uh, all the way down the spine all around the handle tang and everything. So it all looks intentional. I think for me in looking there yeah making the work look intentional and like you made choices instead of are fixing uh well most of the time you're fix at least for me i'm fixing mistakes here and there all over the all over the place but making the whole piece overall look intentional is key um and if it was really crucial to the customer that the spine was etched uh all the way around the tang as well as down the blade then at that point you'd have to suck it up and cut that handle back off uh, if uh, for a blonde piece or a light colored piece cut that handle back off and um and do it again, um, do it again. Hmm. yeah couldn't so you, couldn't you also mask it all off and then sand everything mask everything off and then get yourself some q-tips and do a little ferric chloride with the q-tips yeah i mean that's what i was saying in the beginning is to mask off with the nail polish and then that you go back into the acid but i think for me even if you mask off and you're using, uh, but you got blonde or light colored wood, it's never going to be perfect. And there's going to be something, or I guess not even perfect. Like it's never going to be, It'll there's be always going to be some spot on the handle. Yeah. Handle material where that acid has gotten through and stained the handle material. And to me, mm -hmm. that's, that's not acceptable. And so I guess from my point of view, you'd have to start over from there. So wah, that's wah, why. Wah, wah. Yeah, exactly. So, kind of Sorry. building in especially if you're fresh to this i mean it's not even a it's it's a good look to put uh some sort of synthetic liner either g10 or or whatever in there um but that also builds in uh, a little bit of a buffer room so if you do make a small mistake like dressing the handle and and fucking up some of the finish on the blade then you that g10 it doesn't etch in the acid and so you can paint up to the g10 
or even halfway across that G10. And sometimes it's, you know, it depends on whatever your spacer is. What, even if it's only a sixteenth of an inch, that's plenty of room to create um, a nice, or uh, it's plenty of buffer space to very easily paint a resist onto the handle material. And you could just dunk that whole fucking thing in the acid at that point. Dang. Hmm. So nice. Well, whilst we're talking about uh, Damascus, I'm going to start using that bit of Dharma steel I've got this week, I think, hmm. um, on two parin knives. Yeah, so that's that's going to be interesting. I'm I'm really scared to use it because it, it's it's such a special piece um, of steel that I'm really scared. But um, remember, if if you want to um, get yourself some Dharma steel um, as a listener to the show, we can get you ten percent off as well. So if you register on shop.dharmasteel.com, you need to register there to see the prices and that kind of thing because it's, it's really special stuff. But you can get ten percent off with Knife Talk ten. Well, and easy. don't try using Knife Talk 10 in, in these other places as well. We, we, we've we heard of people trying to use Knife Talk 10 at their, their local dominoes everywhere. <laughs> just listen to us. Fucking, just, just use it in the proper, proper fucking places. fucking fader knives. It's gone in when somebody bought a knife from me. They try to do that shit. I heard, I heard you do Knife Talk 10. Go fuck yourself. Come on, man. Leave it alone. <laughs> Uh, where are we? Uh, 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 the Knife Lab says, Morning and afternoon, gentlemen. Uh, you guys have covered grit progression to death. However, when working in batches, do you grind the entire batch at each grit before moving up a grit, or do you swap belts and progress and finish each one individually? Good question. Um, he says, Thanks for the show and keep up the amazing podcast. Um, I mean, I, I predominantly always work in batches. Um, and I used to do uh, one knife right through, pick up the next knife right through, pick up the next knife right through. Um, but I don't now. So I do that for the first maybe two or three knives in a batch um, just to make sure that everything is right. Once I know everything is right and these knives are finished, I'll then do literally go through the grits. Um, so, yeah, I'll start with, a, with a, for example, a, a 36 grit. I'll do all the knives for 36 grit. Then I'll change to a 60, do all the knives at 60, and, and work that way. It just saves a lot of time because um, the last thing you want to do is, is swapping belts over all the time. Um, and if, yeah, once you're in that sort of groove of working in a batch, it just speeds things up massively. Jeff, what do you, I mean, you, you're doing batches as well. What, yeah. what, what sort of way do you do I it? I break everything down to exactly the same thing. So I, I, don't, I don't fuck with, uh, I, I do one belt for everything and then i'll swap down i don't want to be going back and forth and back and forth it's just just i don't like that at all so i always yeah. try to break everything down into every different step and then do that one step even with the file work like i'll do the file work and i'll do all the i'll nick everything first and then i'll mm. do the round file first i won't do one whole knife at the same time yeah. i'll do every stage and then you end up getting more uh you get everything more cohesive and everything yeah. kind of more same same and i think your muscle memory sort of works that way because you keep doing that same thing over and over again that's one of the advantages of doing it in batches but i mean you've got about 15 grinders haven't you i would have thought you'd have had all your grit set up and you just move from station to station i have three and i have done that as an ode to jonathan porter doghouse forge he did a video years ago i think they took it off where he's going from one belt to the next i have done that and it is great yeah. go mm. from one to the next so all three grinders <laughs> have a different belt on them and then you just walk on down the line that is the move but i don't yeah. do that when i'm grinding everything because i find that i would rather 
I would rather do one thing at a time and then concentrate on my um, boundaries, you know, because, you know, knife making is a lot about your boundaries and where you want to stop and where you want to start. And, and I think that once you kind of like get everything very well organized, then you're just getting everything much more um, cohesive. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, if you, I mean, if you're going to do that kind of thing, we're using multiple grinders. Um, you're going to want to make sure you've got a good grinder that's affordable and that's very, very flexible. And I know you two guys, you both have one, don't you? You've got the the, the special, the Broadback um, grinders. Um, Mareko, tell us what what do you think of your Broadback? Uh, I think it's pretty damn good, honestly. Uh, it's a great machine. Uh, I love using it for hogging, especially uh, that eight inch contact wheel it's great for cleaning off damascus billets um i used to use an angle grinder for all my damascus stuff and then i started doing everything on my grinders and so having that eight inch contact wheel makes a huge difference but um and just ripping that scale off like i get basically like 95 percent of the scale off and then i go back with the flat platen and i grind off the billet like i'm grinding a blade and it's great freehand grinding practice um as well as making sure that um the material that i'm cleaning back up is nice and flat from from edge to edge before i cut cut it back up and and stack it back up so i know that the faces are going to mate together really nicely um but the other thing i really love about the broadback is just its flexibility using the the inch and a half tool arm receiver you i i can use tool arms that i built myself um and so it's just it's really handy machine and also yeah i love the idea that even if you already have a chassis that takes an inch and a half tool arm um you can still get a hold of their uh uh tool their tool arms like the 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 buffing wheel tool arm which is very unique to them uh integral grinding platen you can all use those on whatever machine maybe you already have um so i think that's a really smart move design wise what about you jeff how do you feel about your broadback I mean, goes horizontal, it goes vertical. They got a long platen. I mean, these are knife makers who are making grinders for knife makers. So I, yeah. I mean, Ryan and Vince are great guys. I really appreciate what they've done. And and uh, in, and if you have questions about the grinder, you reach out to them, and they're going to answer it without right. hard selling hmm. you. So and then the well, price the sh- is right. Put yeah. a knife talk ten at broadbackironworks.com. Get ten percent off. The shipping's included. They don't want right. you know, to. You're going to put it together, but. You're saving on your the value is in in regards to that. So yeah, you know what I'm really proud of with this podcast is we always wanted to give sort of value to our listeners. So now, especially with um with, with getting discounts on an even heat as well, if you use our promo code, you can get the the oven, you can get the grinder, you can get the sandpaper for um, hand finishing as well. But you can also get the belts. So if you go to Combat Abrasives and use Knife Talk 15, you'll get 15% off the belts. So that's basically all the machines and all the consumables that you need to make kick-ass knives. And the steel from Damasteel. And the steel from Damasteel. Wow, yeah, you're right. That's everything you need. Right. We've got you oh. covered. We've got yep. you covered. We just need to get Jet on board so we can get some drill presses available. Jet! Woo-woo-woo-woo! Jet! <laughs> there we go. That that could be there. <laughs> their ad. Was yeah. That was it was wings. That was, was wings. Wings. Paul McCartney. It was also very Alan Partridge of me as well, because he does that a lot, but <laughs> I can't help that. Nice. All right. Where were we question wise? Who knows? Uh I got one right here. He says this is from uh Peter Man Knives or Peterman Knives. 
<laughs> Peter Mad Knives. Uh, <laughs> he says, hey, guys, here's a question for you. When sharpening with a belt grinder or a Tormac, uh, what grit do you use? I'm thinking about buying a Tormac, but I'm not sure what kind of stone I should get. Thanks a lot. Keep up the good work. Love the podcast. All right. Hmm. You guys do. I'm... Yeah, I mean, I use a Tormac. Yeah. Um, I have until now, but only very, very recently I've started not using it and just going straight to uh, a belt on my on my grinder. Um, simply because, I mean, I do love the fact that a Tormac, I can make everything repeatable. Once it's set up, I'm away. Um, but it, it is quite a slow process. Um, so I think if you're doing one-off knives, it's perfect. But when you're doing batches... It can take quite a few hours out of your day just just um, sharpening. Um, and you know, if you've got a team of people, great. You can get you can set somebody to do that. But um, when it's just me, um, I've, I've now started just using the uh, the, uh, the the belt grinder. So I've got the standard wheel where with the dressing stone. So I think it's either one fifty or th- and then three hundred once it's dressed. Something it's round about that, so it's very rough. Um, but then I've also got the, the white um, Japanese wheel as well, which I think is a, a 1,000 or maybe a 1,200 grit. Um, so between, you know, those two wheels, you're getting three grits. Um, and, you know, they, they seem to work well for me. Um, but, yeah, the only reason I'm not using it now is really a speed kind of thing, really. You'd be surprised to hear that I brought the Tormek back. I wasn't using it for a long time. I, uh-huh. use, I like the leather wheel. Ah, the stropping using, wheel. Yes, I've been yeah. using the stropping wheel a lot, and I feel like I'm taking a lot less material off. It's a little bit more of a gentle, it's gentler than using the buffing wheel. I'm kind of like fooling around between using the buffing wheel after yeah. I finish the sharpening to using the leather, and the leather, the rotating leather strop is kind of nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, just make sure you, you get that. If, you, if you're not using it very often and you leave that um, leather, you can go really hard and brittle. So make right. sure you're using that, that, you know, it comes with it. A cream once Def, again. I tell you what, they don't give you enough of that paste. Hmm. I've had to buy extra paste. And yeah, I don't you can buy the paste. Yeah, it's yeah. annoying. Toothpaste, your toothpaste. But they give you a tiny little bottle. I mean, it's like fucking ointment paste. Yeah. It's not like give me a fucking. Come on, man. I want a quart container of that paste. You need olive oil to soften it up, and then you use toothpaste. Tooth, um, yeah, toothpaste. Toothpaste. That's all you need. That's all you need. Mm. Okay, this one is from um, Chris King. Um, Hello, you distinguished gentleman. Wow, you must have seen the gray hair. I think that's what it is. My question is about picture and video editing. What apps or programs are you guys using? Um, All of your pictures look incredible. Um, And uh, thanks, guys. Love you. Um, So he's obviously talking about social media and how we sort of market ourselves. Um, um, Regards to photo editing, um, I basically most of the stuff is done on my phone. Um, if I'm using a, you know, a, a proper camera and I get the lights out and all the rest of it, I've got a Canon M50, um, which is, they're quite affordable, um, really easy to use. Um, but yeah, you need good, good lighting for that kind of thing. And I also use that for video too. Um, so yeah, again, it's all down to decent lighting. Um, as simple as that really. What are you guys using? Anything specific or using your phones? What, what, what are you using? Use my right. iPhone. Uh, editing. Uh, software inside instagram which mm. is actually the editing software in instagram it's good um, yeah it's pretty good really good uh, yeah that's mm. that's all i 
Yeah, I mean, with the, when it comes to video, I use Final Cut um, for for editing when I'm doing sort of you know longer, like, whether it's YouTube videos or sort of promo videos for a specific knife. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't do anything specifically with that. It's all very basic stuff. So you could even do that with iMovie or even on your phone, you can cut and trim and stuff. Um, yeah, I just I, I think the main thing is you know consider the lighting and your background. Um, and you know most modern phones that do more than a good enough job when it comes to video editing for like instagram posts i use an app called splice mm. um i can't remember where i found it through but i i love it it's super flexible it offers a lot of different controls and it's pretty straightforward and easy to use uh, and i love it and you know you can rotate videos you can you know, change the format from square to landscape to portrait, whatever you were trying to do. Um, yeah, I've I've really enjoyed using that. I've been using that for the last four four years. Top um, tip. There we yeah. go. Splice. Um, another one that I use as well is called um, on the phone is Darkroom. So you know, like Instagram has all these built-in filters. Um, you can edit them as well and all the rest of it. But um, uh, Darkroom is basically like a version of Lightroom that you can get on a Mac. Um, it just lets you sort of make your own filters and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, but there's loads. I mean, if you if you've got a modern phone, you've got you've got more than enough sort of power to make incredible videos and incredible photos with very cheap apps. Um, yeah, we're we're living in a good time at the moment. You know what? Sure. I, I would just to kind of give a a, a shout out shout out to a, a podcast on the Makery Network, handmade podcast with Chris Zepp, Derek from Alden, and Paul Pinto. We're talking about how now these um, streaming apps are buying content from YouTubers, like Alex Steele's number one. And one of the one of the most important things is it's they're recording all their videos on is it four G, four K, four K, four K. Yes, like yeah. it's a very specific style of I don't even know I didn't know know what it meant, but it made a lot of sense. It's where, just the resolution. So um, if you think you know, no, back just the resolutions. Oh, okay resolution oh, okay. so if you think back to when you know we all had old nokia phones and basically the video resolution then was usually 640 by 320 um so if you, if you imagine 640 millimeters by 320 millimeters if you want to make that bigger it's all going to look a bit shitty um so then we went up to 720p which was you know hd at home then we went to 1080 which is like full hd which is basically just giving us more pixels to play with and now you know 4k is is the next one and even 8k some people so yeah so a lot of people are recording in 4k um still only uploading to youtube in 1080 because that's more than good enough for most sort of small screens um but yeah if they've got all their footage left in 4k if you know if they were to be very successful and you know a tv company wanted to you know license their content you've got 4k content you're sitting there ready to go crazy so this 4k you could like play that on a movie theater screen and it'd look good Oh, completely. I mean, 1080 would. 1080 would. Um, yeah. And I mean, even when people used to use old sort of film cameras, so, you know, you're talking back in the 80s, you know, 80s films, the resolution on them scaled up now is it looks incredible. Looks incredible. <laughs> but yeah. But yeah, if, if you can shoot 4K, um, you're sort of future proof in your content, I suppose. Think of it that way. I like that podcast, PS. They're good guys. Yeah. Good guys. Good guys. 
Yeah, bit of a fascination with Duresta, I've noticed. They talk about him a hell of a lot, but they're good guys. Hey, Jimmy Duresta is a fucking good dude. He, he just is. Said, he is the man. He is a man. He just, they're, the, they're the Duresta fan club over there. Jeez. Well, I was I was kind of texting with Derek, and, and he said he's going to go to Jer, uh, Der, uh, Jimmy's. And I said, all right, I got to get one of them ice picks hmm. because yeah, they're cool, great. They? Yeah. And Derek said to Jimmy's, he said, hey, Fader needs some shit. And he gave me a pile of stuff and he's just a good guy man i've had some conversations with jimmy he's just such a good dude he's a new york dude real good yeah dude. So he's get a good that guy. giant he's been, he's been on the show in the past pardon me he's been on the show in I the know, past yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah good guy he uh he gave me one of them giant razor blades. That fucking thing is hilarious. <laughs> they look, oh, they look pretty cool. What they use for scraping, I assume, is it? Like I don't know. I was actually thinking it? about turning one into a chef knife, but I'm just like, I got bigger fish to fry than you know, doing something funny like that. Hmm. You know, it's cool. It's a, he, he's a cool dude. I like I, those ice picks are sweet. I mean, I don't want to get pulled over with one, but it's you know, how do you explain <laughs> that? You know, I can imagine they're use, useful to have around a shop using uh, for a million yeah, of course, things. for all the ice that you have to pick. You know, well, they're, it, so it's yeah. sweet, it's too super sweet, but I mean, you got that in your inside pocket and you're getting frisked. You're yeah. gonna have a lot of explaining to do. You just call it a woodall. Oh yeah, yeah. That's what police know all about that. The woodall. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's a woodall. Oh, okay. My bad. Ice pick, yeah, sure, sure. Knitting needle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> fucking good dude there's one last question i think we should definitely uh get to i think Go it's important it. i don't know if it's, we got how much time we got left but um this comes from cn knives serious question for you guys have you ever gotten so drunk that you sleepwalk pissed <laughs> in your friend's laundry basket uh and the vibe in the room the next morning isn't as fun as you'd think <laughs> keep up the great work guys i haven't but i've been in a situation where uh, somebody else has um <laughs> Let's just leave it at that. Who's to someone else? Oh, <laughs> let's someone. just leave it at that. Someone. No, and and to be honest, I can't tell you the last time that I was drunk anymore, um, because I don't know. I remember being young, going out, and you know, getting drunk, and yeah, life was all of the party. Now, the more I drink, the quieter I get, and the more sort of reserved I become. So I don't feel as if I'm drunk. Oh, to be young again, eh? I guess when I was young. I used to not, I don't think I would sleepwalk, but I would fall asleep watching TV, like just fall asleep on the couch or something. My parents hated it. They were so annoyed by it because I think they just wanted, you know, they wanted to have some time to sit down and relax at the end of the day themselves without fucking kids around. And so they would, uh, special mommy and daddy me. time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you were drunk? No. <laughs> Did I say that? I was yeah, drunk. well, I mean, it's a question. I that I all of a sudden, like, all of a sudden, young, young no, Rex was drinking on the couch. His parents want to get busy on the couch. So, <laughs> so they would wake me up and send me into my room. And one night, I and so I barely would ever remember waking up. I would just all of a sudden wake up in my bed in the morning, and I didn't know what happened. Um, and because at the time I was such a heavy sleeper, one night my stepdad at the time woke me up said you gotta go to bed i was like all right and then i was like kind of stumbling around the house and he's like what are you doing i was like all right, i gotta go to the bathroom he's like then go to the bathroom go to bed and he's fucking annoyed and so next thing i know i'm going i'm taking a piss and he busts in he's like what are you doing and i'm like i'm going to the bathroom <laughs> and i look down and i'm standing in the laundry room <laughs> pissing oh, in the cat box <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> when he when he opened the door i didn't just 
keep pointing. I just I turned towards so I'm like pissing all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> Which didn't help the situation. He no. was even more annoyed at that point. And so clean that up. He said, get the fuck out of here. Maybe <laughs> made me go to my room and I went back. To, I just went back to sleep. And then I woke up in the morning. I didn't remember it. And my stepdad was pissed at me. My mom was laughing at me. And I was like, what's going on? And I, I didn't remember. I could like barely remember. And the more they explained it, it all started coming back. And I was like, oh, my God. And I was super embarrassed about that for, I don't think for a long time. I mean, you were, the cat box is a pretty, pretty. I mean, that's better than the sink, you know? But then spinning around and spraying all over the place, that's no good. <laughs> well, I did do that. So I start, it started in the cat box, but then I he, I turned to him when he opened the door to the laundry room. And so, and I was still pissed. Water sprinkler. You give it a little. I have to tell you a funny story. It didn't happen to me, obviously. But it was, uh, it was a story I heard on Howard Stern from George Clooney, the actor. This was a, a he played this incredible prank on his roommate. What he did was his, when he was a young actor and was out of work and whatever, his 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 roommate had a kitten. And um, George was, I guess he was staying home watching TV and then taking care of the cat. And then one day he was, you know, taking the cat litter out. And then every time the, his roommate came back, he was like, oh, this kitten, this kitten is great, but he hasn't gone to the bathroom yet. Well, George didn't say anything. And he just kept every day, he kept taking the litter out. And the guy after like a week was just like, I'm really worried. This cat hasn't gone to the bathroom in this cat hasn't gone to the bathroom in like a week what are we gonna do and george is like i don't know it's a fuck, it's a fuck kitten i don't have no idea and he didn't say a word he and he knows that he's just going i'm gonna just keep doing this for a while so his roommate takes the the, the cat to the vet and the, the vet's like it seems it's like it's okay give him whatever so he comes back comes back and then they give him special food and they're like you know feeling to make sure that, and he's like i just don't understand it's this kitten is eating everything but he hasn't gone to the bathroom so then one day George Clooney just gets in the litter box and lets out a giant shit <laughs> into the litter box. <laughs> and then his, he's George Clooney is squatting over a fucking litter box, shitting in the litter box. And the guy comes home and he looks in the bathroom and he goes, Oh my God! This fucking kitten with this human sized shit. I mean, you can't make that. That's a fucking funny guy. That was a funny story, dude. You don't see that in his coffee commercials. Yeah. I mean, seriously. And then he's and then he's and then he's uh, you know promoting that horrible movie, in The Midnight Sky. Great film. Great film. Uh, so I th I think that's a show. Um, yeah, definitely, that's a show. Shall we? Have uh, we got time just to do, you know lighten up the mood yep. for next week? Yeah. Okay. Sorry, I know Morocco's got a hard out, so bear with us. Morocco. What's the dream? The big dream for the week. Oh, the big dream is to get. Yeah, I'd like to get a knife done this week. Um, I've been working on these knives uh, for the last couple weeks now, and and I'm ready for them to find their way to their new homes. Um, that's probably my biggest thing. Actually, also, I, so we're recording this on Friday. Uh, Saturday is my home day, and last week we went up. And visited some dinosaurs uh, at a local burger joint, and they got some new dinosaur models. And so I told my son I would take them, go check those out. And they got like a 15 foot brachiosaurus and a 13 foot long like spinosaurus, and all these 
ridiculous Jurassic Park model things. This guy takes it yeah. serious. Jeez. He yeah, sounds like a kook. He's a, <laughs> he's a nice guy. I'm sure he's a nice guy. Every day. I'm telling sure he's you. a nice guy. Uh, Jeff. I'm crossing my fingers. My wife is taking the second dose of the vaccine, and I'm crossing my fingers that she doesn't have a bad reaction like she had the last one time. I'm looking forward to trying to get back to some normality here in the shop. I was uh, the last this past week was kind of like not optimal. So I'm hoping for some uh, new blood and uh, looking forward to peace, prosperity, and hopefully good health in the future. There we go. I'm hoping to get out of this funk. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to make a big effort, I think, over the, um, maybe not over the weekend, but maybe from Monday onwards, um, just to move more, exercise more, eat better. Um, and hopefully it's going to lift my mood a bit and I'll be sleeping because, yeah, it's the lack of sleep that's been getting to me and the yeah, the babies haven't been sleeping either, which has been part of it. But, yeah, just a bit of normality for this anxiety to go away and just to, yeah, just slip back into work and just to find a, a rhythm again, really. And that's have the a dream. Happy, have a happy birthday. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Yeah. I'm, you're only 29 once. That's the way I look at right, it. So I'm going to make right. sure I enjoy it. Right. You know? Give me hell. Yeah. That's a show. Thank you all very much for listening. Um, remember, in our show notes, we've got some discount stuff. So go take a look. And um, we shall speak to you again next week. Bye for now. If you like this show, take a look at our other shows made for makers just like you at www.makery.network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com.